The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at newbalance.com. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. What a play! Can you believe this? <laughs> no, I can't. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. Off to the races, and he stays on his feet. This is going to go the distance. Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath. Najee Harris's uh, historical comps. Which team has thrown the fewest passes to running backs over the last two seasons? Splits for C.D. Lamb. Why passing touchdowns really matter for quarterbacks. It might seem obvious, but we actually have some good numbers there. And at what point in your draft you can find a top five tight end? These are just some of our favorite stats that we're going to be giving to you right now. You've heard some of them before, but they're worth repeating uh, on this episode of Fantasy Football Today. We're getting statty. Adam Azer, Dave Richard, and Heath Cummings, who is coughing right now. I do appreciate him muting the mic. You all right there? I am going to be okay. I still, after 43 years, have not learned how to drink water. Mm. It's probably so, some YouTube videos. It goes down the wrong hole. Yeah, yeah. Also, you haven't learned how to cough because now we cough, cough into our, our elbows now, not in our hands. Um. I appreciate that. Thank yeah. you. I cough into my left hand, and I don't ever shake hands with anybody with that one, so it's okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, thank you very much, uh, Dave. Why don't you Why don't you give us uh, your favorite stat for twenty twenty two? I don't know if this is my favorite stat, but it's the one that I can explain <laughs> in the shortest amount okay. of time. I appreciate that. I like that. Mike Evans had fourteen or more PPR points in two of his final two games without Chris Godwin last year. 25-plus in three of his final four without Godwin, including the playoffs. That does include two games, or not two, however many playoff games he had two, with 25-plus PPR points. He had 10 targets per game in his final four games, including the playoffs. This is his future without Chris Godwin on the field, and it might even stay that way without Gronk on the field. And by the way, all those games also without Antonio Brown on the field. Mike Evans, stud receiver. Don't be afraid to take him in round two. Heath, give me one of your favorite stats. Oh, man, I, I love all these so much. And I'm going to give one that takes a little while to explain because Dave was so, so brief. Um, Najee Harris, there's not a lot of rookie running backs or first year running backs who have seen as many touches as he did last year and been as inefficient as he was. In, since 1992, and the reason I use that date in case people are wondering is that's when we started keeping track of targets. So any target or yards per target, anything target-based, we don't really know before 92. Um, somebody should probably go back and watch the film and figure it out. <laughs> Eighth running back as in his first year in the NFL to earn at least 300 touches while averaging below four yards per carry and below six yards per target. Now, the joke there would be, did he really earn those touches if he was below four yards per target or carry and six yards per target? I'm not sure. Um, there are seven other running backs who have done this before, and the range is spectacular. Yeah. Ladanian Tomlinson. Ooh. Curtis Martin. Uh-huh. Ah. Willis McGahee. Uh, okay. Trent Richardson. Ugh. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. 
awesome. The basketball, basketball player? player? Rashawn Salam. Oh, mm-hmm. no. And Eric Rett. Mm. Oh. Oh. Uh, boy, you know, <laughs> looking at, I'm looking at Willis McGahey's pro football reference page. I, I thought he uh-huh. was better than this. Look at his yards per carry. The first five years of his career, four, 3.8, 3.8, 4.1, 3.9. four yards per carry. Yeah, interesting. Uh, yeah, so that's uh, hopefully he's more Curtis Martin and Ladanian Tomlinson. It's um, it's just it'll be interesting to watch next year. I I think like I I am the low guy in dynasty. I believe on Najee because consensus wise, I believe he would be RB two. Um, he's top three or four for virtually everyone, and I th- I've got him sixth or seventh right now. Um. Man, this is a this is a big year because we need to see him do some things that make him look like a really good running back as opposed to a volume low efficiency guy because I don't know if a volume low efficiency guy ever gets the second contract. And you're also the low guy in seasonal and redraft rather, you know. You have like 12 yeah. fish. And 13th overall. Right, he's more like a top six, seven. Pick. I couldn't rank him twelfth because then I wouldn't be able to do the hot take. You shouldn't draft Najee Harris in the first round, <laughs> so I dropped him down to thirteenth. Good stuff. Remember last year, you were second round Saquon, and you were the low guy on him, and everybody was too high on him. So, uh, hope, hopefully, hopefully, Thanks for remembering that. Yeah, second round Saquon, and are you second round Saquon again this year? I I am currently second round Saquon. Yes. Okay. All right, listen, we got a lot of other podcasts that you can listen to. We've got combat sports. We've got uh, fantasy baseball, obviously. We have Fantasy Football Today in 5, which is a five-minute version of this show, which will soon have a new host, by the way. Not this show. Uh, fantasy Football Today in 5 will soon have a new host and better content. Um, so uh, we're going to work on spicing up that show. But check that one out. We've got two soccer podcasts. We've got so many great things. The best way to see it is to go to cbssports.com slash podcasts. We also have David Sampson uh, hosting a show called Nothing Personal, which is a big hit. So check that out. He used to be the, I believe it's the president of the Miami Marlins, Florida Marlins back in the day when they won the World Series. So he's got a lot of great insights in, in the sports world, and it's a, it's a great show. Uh, cbssports.com slash podcast. We also want you to vote for us at podcastawards.com. I'm putting a link in the episode description. Two categories, best sports podcast and best male-hosted podcast. That is not a host award. It is a show award. It's just separated into male-hosted and female-hosted. We are nominated, I guess, right now in two of them. In those two, we need to become a finalist, get to the next round. So please vote for us at podcastawards.com. Please email us at fantasyfootball at cbsi, the letter I, dot com. Fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. Let's do some news and notes, and we'll get into more of our favorite stats. ESPN article about uh, Patrick Mahomes and Marquez Valdez-Scantling, and they've really got a good thing going right now. They were hooking up in the uh, mini camps. uh, Off to a good start there. And interesting quote from Andy Reid. Marquez can do a lot of different things. He's got good start-stop abilities. He's a big target. He can run your slant game. He can run your deep throws. He can run the intermediate routes. He's got a good feel in space, so he gives us some flexibility in there. Uh, This is a guy who has had a very high ADOT in his career. He has been a, a deep threat. He said, we had roles in Green Bay, and it worked. That quote from Andy Reid suggesting that there's more to Marquez Valdez-Scantling than what we've seen in his four seasons as a Packer. So, Dave, what does that all mean to you? 
Oh, I think it means that he's showing off in, in OTAs and he's got to be able to bring it in training camp. And then again, when the season starts and we've seen Valdez Scantling come through on those big plays from Aaron Rodgers in the past, we've seen him drop balls in the past and we really haven't seen him. Uh, I, I, I shouldn't say this without actually backing it up with stats, but I don't know how many plays I remember him having inside of 10 yards. So though, though that role, it seemed like he had a defined role in Green Bay. Maybe he's proving that he can do some of the you know typical receiver work to just help move the chains and not necessarily be a deep ball threat. And I look at him as, as, as a predominant outside receiver. And you think about the other receivers that Kansas City has. Juju played a lot in the slot. We've talked about that for years. Sky Moore figures to be a slot receiver first before he's an outside receiver. What's the competition for that outside role in Kansas City? It's Mikhail Hardman, um, and and I, I almost wonder if that's that's the biggest com- competition that MVS is going to have. I've got him ranked out of Sky Moore. I think he's worth a round ten pick. I think MVS is is worth taking a chance on. And this this stuff that you just said doesn't sway me one bit. It makes me feel good about it. I I just realized something, and I did the old Google News search to make make sure I haven't missed anything. Has anybody on the Chiefs said anything nice about Juju this summer? We have. We I have yesterday. not seen it. Well, I think that like what they You're say. You're using the term we loosely. Yeah. Um, I, I'd i like to see something nice about yeah, Juju. Yeah, not a lot of Juju buzz. I agree. None. Not a lot of Juju buzz. None that I can find, it, actually. <laughs> Some Juju talking about how fun it is to catch passes from Patrick Mahomes. But um, didn't see anything about anybody saying nice about nice about Juju. So hey, do they, I didn't check TikTok stats? though. Their ADP, <laughs> their ADP is almost double, right? So Juju's at sixty six, and Marquez Valdez Scantling is at one thirty three. So oh, you can get him after round ten. Yeah, so that's into round twelve. Who would you rather have at their values? Round six for Juju, round twelve for MVS. I will say MVS. Yeah, I I would still go Juju, and like I think it's worth noting. There's a reason for that. Like we do believe that targets are earned, and Marquez Valdez Scantling's never earned a playable number of targets. No, he's never had 40 catches. He's never had a 700 yard season. He has 13 career touchdowns in four seasons. Um, Quick fun fact for you. Over the past four seasons, that's the MVS era officially in Green Bay. Over the past four seasons and the Mahomes era in Kansas City, uh, the Chiefs have thrown for 2,287 more yards than the Packers. That is 572 more yards per season. And over the course of 65 games, because one season was 17 games, 35 more yards per game for the so Chiefs that, and the Packers. Based on G- MVS's general target share that should be about three and a half more yards per game for him (laughs) all right let's go to our next uh news item here ian rapaport says that the seahawks have never really been that interested in baker mayfield but our josina anderson said that is inaccurate so we'll see how that one plays out mark cabali of the athletic does not think that the steelers will offer deontay johnson anything close to what terry mclaurin just got which was Three years, $71 million with a $28 million signing bonus. I did think this was pretty interesting, Dave. Uh, that mm. I don't know that I can say this means they don't see Deontay Johnson as Terry McLaurin. Maybe it's salary cap situation. I don't know. But you know, the thought was Deontay Johnson will play this year out and then and then be able to find more money somewhere else. This is a team that does a good job of recognizing wide receiver talent and rewarding it. I remember back when 
Mike Wallace and Antonio Brown were both on the Steelers. Wallace was the more popular Steeler in fantasy at the time, and he got into a contract squabble with the Steelers, and they said, you know what? We're just going to pay Antonio Brown. And they look like geniuses for doing it. Antonio Brown broke out. Mike Wallace left the team, uh, and Wallace went on to be okay, but he wasn't great. Um, Juju, two, two off seasons ago, was a free agent. Steelers did not try to sign him to a lucrative deal. He came back on a one-year deal, and now he's off to Kansas City. They didn't even give him a chance, or maybe he didn't want the chance. We don't know, uh, re-signing with Pittsburgh for a long time. So Deontay's got to play his cards right here, and the fact that the Steelers aren't bending over backwards to pay him tells me that they like him. They don't necessarily love him. If you want to talk about some some long-term upside, like the the prospect of George Pickens being the wide receiver one in, yeah. in Pittsburgh next yep. year, um, yeah, yeah, hopefully that's a name. A Kenny that Pickett, with, that's maybe with know, a top three quarterback from the 2022 class or 20 at the same time or 2023, 23, right? So maybe they draft another one or maybe Pickett's mm. just good. Um, Pickett, I, I, I think they're gonna have to give Pickett more than one year. He's he's in a different boat than all the other rookie quarterbacks this year because he was a first round pick, yeah. Unless you're, you know, you make the card the same decision the Cardinals made, right? And say, right, you're right. If he losses. totally stinks, then yes, Pittsburgh's back in the quarterback market, but I think it'll be, I think it'll be solid. And final note I have here is from the Athletic. Baltimore wide receiver James Prochet was a mini camp standout, according to the Athletic. And Prochet, eighty percent catch rate last year, Heath. Five targets. targets. Twenty targets. <laughs> All right. Caught sixteen out of twenty. Average twelve point six yards per catch. I mean, these are great numbers. Ten point one yards per target. These are great numbers here. It uh, sounds like they want to get a slot receiver going. And Prochet and Devin Duvernay are kind of competing for that job. I I would expect Devin Duvernay to win that, but Prochet did have some some really incredible seasons at SMU. Mm-hmm. And somebody asked, where am I getting this ADP from? So I keep bouncing around. I'm now using uh, the last two weeks of drafts on NFC. I'm also using Fantasy Pros. I don't know when the data from Fantasy Pros starts, but you know, I'll try to I'll try to use both as much as possible. Over the last two weeks, you've got 42 drafts basically since June 22nd. So uh, two 42 drafts on NFC. I'll I'll use both. I'll try to tell you what I'm using here, but try to give you some different ADP. I'll tell you what MVS what his average draft position is on Fantasy Pros. Uh, 148th. So it was 133rd on NFC over the last couple of weeks since June 22nd anyway, and it's 148th. On he does Fantasy not Pros. get drafted very often in our drafts. Yeah, I think that right. might have to change. I don't draft him. I should. I, I'm going to put him in my queue. Every time I see Kadarius Tony get drafted, I go, oh, man, I should have put him in my queue. And now MVS is going to be in that group, and there was one other player. Tony's got to be ahead of MVS, though. You tell me. Yeah. Right? I, I mean, the like offense Tony at least diff- has some pedigree. The difference in offense is just so extreme. <laughs> That's true. I guess MVS, yeah. No, which I'm not one saying, is most what, likely, what about you, Dave? Which one is most likely to become a weekly wide receiver three or a flex? In PPR, I would lean Tony. Yeah. Okay. Just because I think the volume can be there. I think he can be utilized properly 
Uh, look, he, he had that oversaturation of targets for like a two or three week period last year. Proved he could do it. Small sample size. Dable should be able to find a role for him. That's not the traditional, you know, X receiver or something like that in the offense. I don't think he's going to do that. Just get him out in space. Let him make plays after the catch. He makes a guy miss every time he touches the ball. Is it weird that Kenny Galladay's fantasy career is just apparently over? <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> I mean, what a uh, fall from grace, the way he's being treated right now. Well, I mean, he kind of chose that. He got the bag <laughs> and went yep. to play with Daniel Jones. It's like yeah, Bradley Beal. Expect? Everybody's like, free Bradley Beal. And then he accepts a $400 million deal to stay on the Washington Wizards. Well, but why Tony over Galladay? Tony's never done anything like what Galladay's done. Uh, Galladay's never done anything like what Tony did. That's not true. He's had a game as good as Tony's best game? I don't know His if he's had a 190 NFL yard game, game but that's two touchdowns. But I wouldn't say that he's never done anything like what what Kadarius Tony's done. I mean, he he was really good with David Blau as his quarterback. Tony had like 200 yards in a game or something. 189, I think. I'll I'll look up Kenny Galladay's career high. All right, we're gonna we're gonna take a quick break here. <laughs> when we come back, I'll tell you Kenny Galladay's career high in yardage. Is it higher than 189? And he's old. I have. He's not that old. Is he's 28? Yeah. It'll be 29 in November. Um, all right, we'll, uh, we'll be right back with more awesome stats on fantasy football today. What's up, everyone? I want to tell you about a car that you are going to love. Check it out. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, Standard third-row seating, I love that. Available dual wireless charging pads ensure that you can take on any adventure. So let's say you're ready to take the family on a camping trip or something like that. The Santa Fe is perfect for you. You've got all-wheel drive. You can load everyone up in the third row. It's time to start being adventurous, and you need the right car, and that's the Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. We are back. All right, want to guess? Anybody closest? You can go over. Closest to Kenny Holiday's okay. career high wins a prize. Do you want to go Dave, first, Dave? Sure, I'll go first. 131. 158. You're cheating. Yeah, I did. <laughs> <laughs> 158 yards is Kenny Galladay's career high. So nice. not All quite right. Kadarius Tony territory. All right, let's get to our favorite stats. Heath told us that Najee Harris is, was the eighth rookie running back since 1992 to earn 300-plus touches, earned with a question mark, while averaging fewer than four yards per carry and six yards per target. The others were Tomlinson, Curtis Martin, and then 
Willis McGahee, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Trent Richardson, Rashawn Salam, and Eric Rett. Loved Abdul-Jabbar in Airplane. <laughs> yes, he was great. Uh, okay, and then Dave told us that Mike Evans is basically an unstoppable force without Chris Godwin on the field. So, Dave, I'll let you go next. What's your favorite, another one of your favorite stats you'd like to share with the group? Let me give you some numbers on Cam Akers, ladies and gentlemen. His rush EPA, negative 0.28. That was 125th among all running backs. He had seven runs of 12-plus yards, over 145 carries. That's a 4.8 explosive rate. That's bad. He had an 18.6% avoided tackle rate. That was 84th among running backs. He had 27 carries for zero yards or worse. That's almost 20% of all of his carries. And he had one fumble lost. Six goal-to-go carries from inside the four and one touchdown. One touchdown? Wait a minute. Cam Akers didn't score a touchdown last year. That's right. He didn't. Those were his numbers from 2020 before he tore his Achilles. And then in 2021, all the numbers I said, as ugly as they were, these are efficiency metrics. They were worse when he came back from the Achilles. Big, Wait a second. Hold on, huge, hold on, hold on, hold on. Crazy red flag on Cam Akers going into next You're year. You're telling me all these stats you gave were from, from 20... 2020. Okay, because I was about to say, all right, well, yeah, but he tore his Achilles. You really That's set right. it up there. That was a, a, very impressive. He was worse than Daryl Henderson his rookie year. Yeah. I, I, You're using yards per carry, right? He just used a variety of statistics. I mean, he was 125th in rush EPA. I'm pretty sure Daryl Henderson was better than 125th in rush EPA. Man. There aren't that many more than 125 running backs. He had one. So he didn't play all that much as a rookie. And Cam Akers had one game, week 17 of his rookie season, where he should not have been playing. He hurt his ankle, I believe, the week before. And he was absolutely dreadful. And it was a decent amount of carries, too. It was 21 carries. For 34 yards. And I wonder, you know, before that, the overall numbers were 4.8 yards per carry, uh, 124 carries for 591 yards and two touchdowns, 10 yards per catch on only seven catches. But that, I just, I don't know, Dave. I mean, I wonder how much that one game, 21 carries, well, how much carries does the one game where he ran for 84 yards on nine carries matter? Uh, it matters. Because he averaged 9.3 yards per carry in a week 12 loss to the 49ers. He had nine carries for 84 yards the week before that five for 15 the week after Against that the 21 for 72. Yeah. Okay. If we throw out that game week 17, mm-hmm. so weeks one through 16, yeah, yeah. his rush EPA improves to negative 0.2 from which still ranks 100 from negative 0.24. Okay. What was Daryl Henderson's? Can you see that year? I can't. I can see it from his EPA was 0. 0.02 through week 16. So he was positive. Negative. No, negative. I'm sorry. Neg- negative negative 0. 0.02. 0. But better than Cam Akers, just like everybody was. Right. That's pretty, it's pretty interesting stuff here because the, this was a, if you just want to use yards per carry, his college yards per carry were very, very low. And everyone just said, well, it's his offensive line. But I guess the point is, Dave, that Cam Akers has never shown us that he's a special running back. Is that fair? That's that's what I think. Okay. If you took out all of Cam Akers' terribly inefficient games, you'd have like five games left. <laughs> <laughs> he had that huge game and, against the Patriots. I think that sticks out to everyone. National yep. TV. Sure. Huge game. 
Thursday what night. I remember about Cam Akers coming out is that he was just, I called him the cutback king because he was really good at just cutting and making guys miss. But it feels like, it, it felt like that was the only tool in his in his toolbox. And now if the Achilles is still an issue, that's going to impact his uh, mobility, his elusiveness, his agility, et cetera. I, I'm telling you guys, until I see and read reports that Cam Akers looks like better than he was his rookie year, I'm not drafting him. And I'm going to tell everybody not to draft him. I might lower him because I had an anti-Cam Akers stat as well. Um, mm. So we just go to that one next, Adam? Yeah, do that, do that. Yeah. You don't even need Adam's permission. Just go. The, the Rams last year threw 12.6% of their passes to running backs. That ranked 32nd in the NFL out of 32 teams. They threw 12.7% of their passes to running backs the year before, which ranked 30th. For reference, league median's been right around 19.920% for just a normal team. Some teams might throw as many as a third of their passes to running backs. Um, just barely more than 10% of their passes not have gone to their lead running back. That's not, I wouldn't even say that's what's been available to Cam Akers because no running back gets all of his team's running back targets. Um, we're yeah. talking about a ceiling unless that changes of like 60 targets. Well, and that's pro- probably not realistic. Here's my last Ram stat then just to add on. And it's just Daryl Henderson. He got hurt after 10 games. So in his 11th game of the season, he got hurt. In his first 10 games, he was the number 14 running back per game. And that was a 17-game pace of not a, not an overwhelming amount of carries, 241 carries, 14.2 per game, um, and 46 catches. So he did, you know, Sonny Michelle wasn't really involved in the passing game, so he really got probably the, the big bulk of the running back catches there, and he was on pace for 46, which is very respectable. For a guy that, you you know, if this were Akers, you're going to take in the third or fourth round. Um, so, yeah, what do you think about that? Because it's not it's not like Daryl Henderson is some star. He's a good player, but he's not a star. And he was, as a feature back last year, splitting a little bit with Sony Michelle, who averaged just six yards, six carries per game in those 10 games. Uh, Henderson was the number 14 running back per game. Not surprising, honestly. But that's and, the appeal and, of Akers, right? He doesn't have to be great to be a must-start. No, but at, at the very least, I think Henderson's got some juice to him that Akers might not have anymore and may have never really had. And the best part about Henderson is that you can wait to draft him. He's going to be a round nine, round ten pick as long as Akers is healthy. And he's just he's going to evolve into a big-time lottery ticket, but a lottery ticket that could fade quickly could have a nice pocket of four or five games where he delivers for your fantasy team. That's a great player to target in the middle of the late rounds. Okay, Heath, give me your combo, your combo stat here. We're going to do your Josh Allen stat and your Patrick Mahomes stat. Oh, these are fantastic because everybody always, already thinks I'm a homer who hates Josh <laughs> Allen, so let's just <laughs> lean into that. Josh Allen's 27.2 fantasy points per game last year was the lowest for a QB1 since 2017. Unless you count Deshaun Watson seven games that year, then it's the lowest since 2016. Okay, so twenty. So and, Josh Allen lowest for QB one, lowest point for QB one since 2017. And this one's just fun. Patrick Mahomes has not finished as QB one overall once in the past three seasons, but Patrick Mahomes leads all quarterbacks in fantasy points per game over the last three seasons. Mm. 
That's very surprising. However, I'd be shocked. He, he, he can't possibly in the last two seasons, right? That's got to well, be Josh Allen, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> that wasn't the stat. I know, but Josh Allen wasn't good until two seasons ago. <laughs> yeah, Josh Allen wasn't very good throwing last year. He was. Uh, he, remember the Azer stat. He was, if you count the playoffs and remove the Patriots game with the bad weather. Then he was. Um. All right. Well, what? So what is that? That the Josh Allen stat lowest uh, total, of, lowest fantasy points per game for QB one since twenty seventeen. Uh, does that um, mean that everyone's kind of closer to Josh Allen than than maybe perception? Chris made a big deal of this last year, and it happened like week six or something, week seven. QB scoring just cratered. Um, and I think the point is less about Josh Allen and more about QB scoring was way down from 2020. And we kind of wondered, was 2020 just an aberration? But it was also just down from the past couple of years before that. So maybe we expect a little bounce back in quarterback scoring. I know Chris has become a little bit more interested in taking a quarterback early because of how hard it's been to find uh, top 10 production on the waiver wire. Um, if this is a trend and quarterback scoring continues to go down, then that won't necessarily be the case. We've seen it ebb and flow. Um, the top 12 average, th- th- that's the number that I always like to look at, is you take the 12 highest scoring quarterbacks over the course of a season. That's not per game. That's total points scored. You divide that by the number of games they play. That's 17. Divide that by 12. There's 12 quarterbacks. You get an average. The top 12 average for quarterbacks last year was 22.8. It's two and a half points lower than it was in 2020, but it's still a point, 1.2 points higher than it was in 2019. I would also add that the average QB1 score, you know, there's got to be one quarterback that scores more than anybody else. In 2021, it was 39.6. In 2020, it was 40.4. So really close year over year. Here's where I think Chris Chris's point is valid. Last year, the average number of quarterbacks with at least 22 fantasy points, remember, six points per passing touchdown, in a given week was 11.1. In 2020, it was 13.3. In 2019, it was 13.5. That number's been fading a little bit. What is that so number? Been, what is that number? It the, In last year, it was... Uh, no, what, what was the number? I'm sorry. 22 fantasy points. Oh, the amount of quarterbacks who get that? The amount of quarterbacks that scored 22 or more, the average last year was 11.1, which means getting a top 12 quarterback last year wasn't as easy to do as it was in 2020 and 2019 um, by two quarterbacks a week. Oh, interesting. Okay. Uh, let's talk about quarterbacks then, Dave. I think we transition into your touchdown passes stat. This is such a generic-sounding, basic stat that I almost thought that it didn't belong. But touchdowns kind of matter. So I'm I'm adding it in here. I'd love everybody's reaction. If you think that this is just, you know, caveman fantasy, you can just let me know. The top eight quarterbacks in passing touchdowns made the top nine in fantasy points per game. Okay? Not a surprise. Quarterbacks score a lot of touchdowns. They get a lot of fantasy points. Nine quarterbacks threw 30 touchdowns last year. All of them finish top 10 in fantasy points per game. Makes kind of a lot of sense if you're throwing 30 touchdowns or totaling 30 touchdowns, I should say. That means you're playing in a lot of games and you're getting all those points. What about the 10th quarterback? There was one quarterback missing from that top 10. It was Kyler Murray. He told 29 touchdowns in 14 games, which means that if he had played you know, three more games, I think he would have scored at least one more touchdown in those games and he would have been good. What about some quarterbacks that came close to scoring 30 touchdowns? Where'd they finish? 
Tannehill and Wentz, they were 17th in fantasy points per game. They had 28 touchdowns each. Russell Wilson, 27 touchdowns. I'm sorry. They didn't finish fourth. They, they didn't finish. I'm, I, go ahead. I'm sorry. Start I'm, back. Go ahead. Run it back? Yeah. Tannehill and Wentz, they were close. They were just outside of the top 10. They had 28 touchdowns. Russell Wilson, 27 touchdowns. He played in 14 games. Jalen Hurts had 26 touchdowns. He played in 15 games. That wasn't their finish. Um Point of clarification real quick. Go ahead. Go We're talking about passing it. plus rushing touchdowns. Correct. This is total okay. touchdowns. Total yeah, touchdowns. Not passing so touchdowns. This is simple. It, it, it's really a simple point. I'm sorry for tripping over myself on Tannehill and Wentz and Russell Wilson and Jalen Hurts. Two of those guys you're going to love drafting. Two of them you're not. You know which two I'm talking about. If you look at a quarterback and you say, all right, this guy's got 30 touchdown potential. Uh, yeah, you're going to start him. And it's easy to say with Josh Allen and Mahomes and Herbert and you know, go all the way down, Brady, Russell Wilson. But the guy that I really was kind of targeting with this stat was Derek Carr. Can Derek Carr find 30 touchdowns this year now that he's got Devontae Adams on top of Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro? And I think the answer to that is yes, I think he can. And if he can, that means he's got a great shot to be a top 10 quarterback. I, well, I think we got to boost it to 32 touchdowns, I would say. Since we're now in a seven, that's so annoying. The seventeen games, but uh, let me give you this. Stat. Well, the stats from last year are from seventeen games. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, so you're talking about just finishing top ten. So yeah. All right. How about this? In six point per passing touchdown leagues, in ten of the last twelve seasons, at least four of the top five quarterbacks threw thirty or more touchdowns. I'll say it again. Six point per passing touchdown leagues. 10 of the last 12 seasons, at least four of the of the top five quarterbacks had 30 or more passing touchdowns. 80% of the top five quarterbacks at least, 80% of the last 12 seasons no, have had at least It's more than 80%. Touchdowns. It's at least, there are, there are it is hard, the, the summary is this, it is hard to be a top five quarterback without 30 touchdown passes. The thing that drives me crazy about this, and its I don't think there's anything caveman about it, Dave. It's just that when you're trying to project, touchdowns are probably the hardest thing to project. Of course. The big and one so is Jalen Hurts they are, It's the worst part about fantasy football for me, but also the best part because it's what makes it more competitive between people that um, have differing levels of try. Um, that the most important <laughs> thing in fantasy football is also the hardest to predict. But you you apply touchdown rate to your projections, which I think is probably the smartest way to try and come up with a touchdown projection for quarterbacks. Right. That's what I do. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's still right. not, I mean, it's no, of course not. As because, good as it can get. Right. Right. Cause you have these self-imposed limits on what the touchdown rate is. Well, and it's like rushing touchdowns like Dak three or four years in a row mm -hmm. would yeah. have six rushing touchdowns on 45 or 50 attempts, which is an insane rush touchdown rate. And then last year, I think he had one. Mm -hmm. All right, I'm going to give a stat mm -hmm. now. It's my turn. Good. <sighs> Let's talk about, I mean, I don't want to give the stats that I always give. But here's one. There has been a top five PPR wide receiver drafted between 39th and 51st in seven of the last 10 seasons. And there have been four such examples in the last three seasons. So again, in the last three seasons, we have had four wide receivers drafted between 39 and 51 finish as a top five wide receiver. They were Chris Godwin and Cooper Cup in 2019, Calvin Ridley in 2020, and again, Cooper Cup in 2021. 
But but that range, 39 through 51, uh, has given us a top five PPR wide receiver, at least one, in seven of the last 10 seasons. And most of them were in year three, four, or five. Uh, almost all of them were in year three, four, and five. Uh, the two exceptions were Brandon Marshall, who went to the Jets, his first year with the Jets, and Ryan Fitzpatrick, he had <clears> 1,500 <throat> yards in, in his 10th season. And Larry Fitzgerald had a stupid 100-catch year where he finished top five in a terrible year for wide receivers in his fourth season. It wasn't a stupid season. year. He's it one was of the best stupid. wide receivers of all time. Should, he didn't deserve to be a top five wide receiver. It was a terrible year for wide receivers. But um, I think I was all in on Larry Fitzgerald that year, if I remember right. Thir- probably. 39 through 51 is a range that gives us a top five wide receiver most years. It's um, essentially round four. Yeah, yeah. I wish it... Look, if it's 12 picks, I wish it had been 37 to to 49 or, you know, roughly... 48. Like 40, well, yeah. I'm just trying to think of what it... What comparing it to what the actual stat was, but uh, yeah, thirty-seven to forty-eight would have been great, but, but it's thirteen picks actually, thirty-nine through fifty-one. Uh, but yeah, you should definitely be looking at wide receiver in that range. And if they're the, in their third, fourth, or fifth year, but mostly, if you, yeah. If I'm trying to do the math on this, because I think it's like the way you present it is good for a segment of the audience and their brains, and then there's. It would be accurate to say, since you said there's generally four wide receivers drafted between those picks, right? Oh, I didn't are... say that. Okay. Uh, but that actually seems a little low. I'm thinking more like six. Maybe six. Mm-hmm. So you've got somewhere around a 15% chance, 70% of the time, of drafting a top five <laughs> wide receiver in round four. You look at recent trends, though. I mean, just those last four years. Uh and it's these young wide receivers busting out, cup a little bit older. But a young mm-hmm. wide receiver going in round four is someone you should be very interested in. I think that's so the we've got some away. we've got some candidates. We have many, yeah. For this year. Pittman and in Indy, who got a quarterback upgrade, clear number one receiver going into his third season. Is Marquise Brown going into his fifth season or sixth? Fifth. Fifth season, new team, new offense, completely different game plan than what he had before. New quarterback. Terry McLaurin, new quarterback going into his Pause. fourth year. Marquise Brown's going into his fourth season. Okay, even better. Yeah. DJ Moore. Fifth. Don't know who his quarterback's going to be. I'm a little nervous about that one. Should be the number one receiver on his team. DK Metcalf, CDJ Moore. Mike Williams, staying with his quarterback in a good offense. Kind of trailing the pack here, in my opinion, but someone who's going to go right in this range. Yeah, I, Mike Williams is probably my favorite of those guys because I think really all he needs is for the team to decide that Keenan Allen is washed. Um, if they treat him like they did the first month of the season or the last two months of the season, he is a top five wide receiver. <sighs> washed up. Not washed. I thought you were going to get more mad at me for including the last two months of the season. I just think it, the analysis is is just too Heath daddy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I have a Heath. I have this. Well, that's just a Heath side. <sighs> On Travis Kelsey, he's way too high. I don't have a Heath stat uh, quote there, but I do have the Heath side. I'm going to give one more. It's about DJ Moore then. Uh, we'll just transition to this. So what's the, if you said to an average fantasy player, hey, what do you think about DJ Moore? What do you think they'd say? He never scores touchdowns. Doesn't finish as a top 12 receiver in fantasy. Okay, that's not what I was hoping you were going to say. I was hoping you were going to say 
great receiver, always on a bad offense. Is that kind of a fair assessment of what what I think the general public feels about, what you think the general public feels about DJ Moore? Sure. Okay. Could go that way. I guess I didn't realize just how much worse Carolina's offense was last year than what it had been the previous two years. They have been 31st, 28th, and 31st in touchdown passes over the last three seasons. So that has... They haven't thrown more than 17 touchdown passes three straight seasons. That's just unbelievable. But in terms of passing yards, they have finished 20th, 18th, and 29th in passing yards. When they finished 20th and 18th in passing yards, DJ Moore was top 11 in yards per game among qualified players. Last year, he was 17th because Sam Darnold was so much... And the rest of the the five games that Darnold missed, the P.J. Walkers, Cam Newtons, they were so much worse than what DJ Moore had in the previous two seasons. So he had a pretty bad year, I think. I mean, he was wide receiver 26 per game. Pretty disappointing year. The touchdowns are always a problem, but I just wanted to point out the yards, the passing offense was so much worse for Carolina last year than it was the previous two seasons. It wasn't just, oh, he's been on a bad offense. He was on a dreadful offense last year. So I don't know what that all means to you. There's so many more DJ Moore stats I could give, but last year was his worst his worst environment by far. He finished. There were 14 last year. 14 so, touchdown passes. So, like, we talk about target share a lot. And sometimes in, in to college players, we might talk about, like, receiving yardage share. Last year, DJ Moore had a 28% touchdown share. The year before, <laughs> he had a 25% touchdown share. Yeah. You give a guy a 28 or a 25% touchdown share on an offense that throws 30 touchdown passes. And he's a top five wide receiver. Yeah, and I've been saying that. I mean, I've been saying that for a few years. Uh, well, maybe I started probably last year, but it, he's had a 20, 25.5% touchdown percentage of his yeah, total touchdowns over the last three seasons. I did so say bad. last year that if he doesn't score more than four touchdowns this year, I'm not going to call him a regression candidate ever again because clearly there's no regression. This is just who he is. But it does make me feel different about him than someone like Keenan Allen, who was playing on a team that was throwing 30 touchdown passes and could never score more than six, or T.Y. Hilton most years. Totally. Um, Let me make you even feel better about it. Ready? He had, there's a stat on pro football reference. You can sort their red zone stats, and I say green zone for inside the 10-yard line. You can sort their green zone stats by the percentage of targets that a player got on his own team. There were only four players who had a higher percentage of his team's green zone targets than DJ Moore. He was tied with Cooper Cup. They both had about 35% of their team's green zone targets. So he had that, nine of them. That went way up, by the way. He used to be not involved there at all. But last year, we did see DJ Moore very involved, more than almost any other player on a percentage basis, in his team's green zone targets. Uh, and he still could only catch four damn touchdowns. But I and, think there's potential, was so much him. potential that, that's for That's a him. career high as far as red zone. Here, you want to get more excited. Yeah. The Panthers, over, last, last year, attempted 599 passes. Baker Mayfield has a career 4.8% touchdown rate. If you give him 599 pass attempts, that's 28.7 passing touchdowns that you would expect for Baker Mayfield 
at that volume at his career pass touchdown rate. Let's go with Seven. DJ Moore's lowest number over the last four years, which would be 25% share. That would get him to seven yeah. touchdowns this year if Baker Mayfield if Baker Mayfield's his quarterback, I'm projecting him for seven <laughs> touchdowns. Yes. And if he projected for seven touchdowns, he would be a top twelve wide receiver. Now do it for Jimmy Garoppolo, just in case Garoppolo is that guy. Uh, I think his is v- maybe even better. Garoppolo has been mm. insanely efficient, and we've mostly just given all that credit to Kyle Shanahan. Mm-hmm. Um, he has an exactly 5% touchdown rate for his career, so he that would be 30 be even better. Yeah. Well, these are the two quarterbacks that I think are in line to potentially move on to Carolina. We've talked about how their offensive line quietly got better this offseason. Christian McCaffrey's healthy to begin the year. Uh, there could be some serious unlocking here if... Mm-hmm. If the Panthers give DJ more, uh, it, I guess it's more about them giving their passing game more opportunities in the red zone. It's not. It's not more opportunities. They're throwing 600 passes. They just need to no, throw I'm the ball about just somewhere the within 15 yards the of the zone, wide receiver. Yeah. They need to get. Yeah. They need to get into the green zone. Uh, the only um, concern I would have is that I know Matt Rule really wants to. Not the only concern, but a concern. Matt Rule is a run first coach. I mean, I think he fired his offensive coordinator last year because they wanted to be more run heavy. So I'm not sure if we can give them the same amount of pass attempts. I don't, I, I you know. No, I'm but I would sure. be way more excited about DJ Moore if he had a competent quarterback. Oh, man, he's they, got They so did much throw potential. 550 times in 16 games in 2020. Um, so if you wanted to say 550, we're still looking at 27 touchdowns. If you If I projected DJ Moore, if all I did was change his touchdowns to seven, and I've got him at five, which seems stupid since he's never scored more than four. <laughs> um, at seven touchdowns next year, changing nothing else, he would be my wide receiver nine between Mike Evans and Debo Samuel. He also has six catches in his career of 50 or more yards. In that same stretch, the last four years, Cooper Cup has eight catches of 50 or more yards. So I bring this up because sometimes catches, you know, touchdowns is not just about the quarterback. It's about can you make an explosive play to get into the end zone. DJ Moore has shown that he can be an explosive receiver, especially two years ago. His catch rate was low, but his yards per catch was super high. His dot was higher. So I think people love DJ Moore. If he can just get a good quarterback, there's a ton of potential. All right, guys, um, give me, I'm sorry for taking time with my stats there. I'll give you guys each one more Dave, give me one last stat. Let's talk about the Jets running backs because everybody's excited about Brees Hall going there. Last year, the Jets had the second highest pass run ratio rate for passing. They threw the ball 63.3% of the time, while also, also, excuse me, fifth lowest in plays per game at 60.9 plays per game. Jets running backs totaled 14 carries from inside the three all year. That was better than league average, but their conversion rate winning ranked 22nd they only scored six touchdowns from inside the three the Jets running backs had 130 total targets last year but 60 of them nearly half of them came from quarterbacks other than Zach Wilson last year Wilson averaged 5.4 targets per game just to running backs that was 24th among passers nearly a full target per game below average and yet it was the highest for him on a per game basis over his last three seasons playing football at BYU He threw targets to his running backs even more sparingly than this. Case in point being, I'm worried about Brees Hall's upside as a receiver out of the backfield. We know that he can catch. I'm not sure if Zach Wilson's the guy who's going to look for him time after time after time. Interesting. Yeah, that's that's a huge one. I just all, all those catches came with other quarterbacks. So many of those catches came with other quarterbacks. I do want to point out the Jets were 
13th in situation neutral uh, pace. So they were not a slow team, even though they ran the fifth fewest plays, as Dave mentioned. I think that's just because they sucked so much. <laughs> they, they weren't a slow team. But um, Heath, what's your reaction to all those d- stats from Dave? Um, yeah, I don't know what to make of the of the Jets in terms of run pass rate. I would expect they'll throw a little bit more. It's not that unusual with a young quarterback, especially, and the fact that they had those injuries to be a lower pass rate. I think that comes up. No, they were a high pass rate, Heath. They threw the ball oh, 63% okay. of the time. I would guess that'll come down then. Anything that's that extreme is going to come to the middle a little bit. But I, Wilson's, from what I remember, and this could be wrong, didn't his running back target rate go up a little bit when he came back from the injury? I don't th- I don't know. I don't remember. Not in a significant way. Right. It's not like they said, wow, Michael Carter was an amazing receiver last year. Let's bake that into the game plan. And Zach Wilson's like, yeah, I'll do it. It it didn't happen. Like when you say with Mike White and Joe Flacco, when you say not in a significant way, he was one target below average last year per game. So Mm -hmm. if it went up half a target per game. That would be significant, right? Not in a significant way that really changed the PPR value of the running backs, I'd say. You um, know, it, I, I mean, when you look at Michael, I'll look now, because this is obviously, I don't remember. But if you look at Michael Carter and, and Ty Johnson, so when Zach Wilson came back, I mean, your last four games of the year for Michael Carter after his return from an injury, he had nine targets. Um. It's possible. Do that- we know the week? Do you have the week that Zach Wilson came yeah, back? Yeah, because you can look it up easily. He came back. <laughs> That's right. I'm asking you to do my work for me. Week 12. All right. So week 12 I mean, yeah, to the, the end of the year. Look at Yeah, there were two games where there were three games where Ty Johnson had four or more targets, including a seven-target game against the Saints. So maybe it was just that it was divvied up. But, yeah, I, he, there were some, I guess, encouraging signs for Ty Johnson. But it, that was, it was team, weird, right? though, <laughs> late as well, because there were one, two, three, four different games where Zach Wilson threw 24 or fewer passes when he came back. So I'd be more interested in the target rate than the total number of targets. But anyway, um, the targets are a concern for Brees Hall because Michael Carter's that's probably the only place he gets to play. Ty Johnson, too. Right? I mean, mm-hmm. could factor if in. they I swear if Ty Johnson is touching the ball on offensive plays when they have Brees Hall and Michael Carter. Would you rather have Brees Hall or Cam Akers? Hall. I'm probably going to go Hall. I think I have Akers slightly ahead, but Dave convinced me that Cam Akers is terrible. Kids in the Brees Hall or Ezekiel Elliott? Zeke. What do you think about the team name? Kids in the Brees Hall. Yeah. Kids in the hall. Like what? You could do better than that. What do you? How many touches a game do you think Zeke is getting? If because they told us at OTAs they clocked him at twenty-one miles an hour, twenty-two miles an hour, whatever. He was really, really fast. They're talking about how good he looks. Let's say they go through training camp and everybody on the Cowboys continues to think Zeke is back. How many touches per game is he getting until he shows that he's not back? Like, what's his role? If if everybody on the team through training camp 16, thinks, yeah, 16 touches per back. game until he's not back. And if they think he's not back, and that could be by week four, that'll get dialed down to 10 to 12. We'll call it 11. Oh, wow. Hmm. Like he was Trent Richardson bad 
down the stretch last year and he was getting 16, right? I don't know if it was 16. I think it was a little lower than that. I can double check. I do have that. I also have the Jets target numbers from week 12 on last year. They were third worst in the NFL. They were running backs and targets with 21. They caught all 21 of them. 21 targets. I would like to... I'm sorry. I don't know if they caught all. Wait a minute. Yeah, it looks like 21 targets. I think Zeke's getting 20 touches a game if they think he's back. Well, he's got to prove it. Weeks one, two, three, I bet he gets to 20 if he's feeling it in a game. Third quarter of a game and he's had a bunch of explosive runs. Hell yeah, he's going to get to 20 touches. I'd like to point out he had 12 catches in the two games that Amari Cooper missed with CeeDee Lamb missing half of that, half of one of those games too. So you said from week twelve through eighteen they only had twenty one target ca- targets. That's they were twenty one catches. It must be twenty one catches because what? So I'm looking at True Media and they've got the same number of targets and catches for every team, as if to say that every running back had <laughs> a one hundred percent catch rate from week twelve on last year. So let's um, call it twenty one catches. You've got a higher target number. No, I was just that. That seemed real. I don't have a target number yet. I was trying to find a target percentage, and he threw 202 passes. If it was really 21 targets, then that would be a terrible, even worse than the Rams last year, target rate. Um, it's not. I, there are definitely more targets than that. I don't, I don't. You know, I just told you what Ty Johnson did. But anyway, Ezekiel Elliott, I think, has a chance. Why would it be like that? For uh, more catches this year, because when Cooper was out. He had 14 targets in those two games, and one of them went to overtime. Uh, but 12, you know, 12 catches on 14 targets. Also, um, I, I forgot to say the results of this, but I did look up the pass blocking grades for Zeke and Pollard. We brought this up on yesterday's show, and I forgot to say uh, Pollard actually had a higher grade than Ezekiel Elliott. Both of them were outside the top 100 mm-hmm. uh, in pass blocking last year, according to PFF, among just halfbacks. But Zeke was not. A good I pass really blocker. To make it according to be, no, I, Pollard's metrics were better than Zeke's across well, the board. Like almost every single metric was better than Zeke's last year. Right. This, but this specifically, like when we're talking about pass blocking grade, the Cowboys coaching staff obviously believed till the very end that Zeke was doing a much better job than Pollard in pass blocking. Right. Like they continued to play him a lot more in those situations. Yeah, they both had a decent amount of blocks. So I think Pollard had 61 pass blocks. Is that the right column here? Yeah, and Zeke had a lot more, 117. But 61 is, is not an insignificant number. So they both were on the field in those situations. But Zeke had a lot. Yeah, 117 is a lot. In their last 11 games where they played together, this is week 6 through 13, weeks 15 through 17, and the playoff game where they both played. This is when... After Zeke hurt his knee in week five, that's what we've been led to believe. Uh, Zeke averaged 15.5 touches per game. Pollard averaged 11.1. Zeke averaged 60.3 total yards per game. Pollard averaged 60.4 total yards per game. Zeke had five more touchdowns. And look, if Zeke's you know efficiency fail last year was because of the torn PCL, if it really was because of that, and he's healed up and he's as good as new, then he's going to prove to be one of the better bargains on draft day. But it has to be because of that exact reason. It can't be because of anything else. And he's got to prove it. He's got to prove it to everybody. Right now, I would take, obviously, I'm taking him ahead of Pollard. I'll take him one spot ahead of Brees Hall. Speaking of Brees Hall, it was 38 targets for the Jets. And they only caught 21 passes last year from week 12 on. 
38 was, targets? Well, 38 targets, still below league average. League average was 48. Well, yes, but I, what I would say, and that's this is where I think um, share and versus total number, that really leans on that l- slow pace that you talked about um, mm-hmm. and their low number of offensive plays because 38 divided by the 202 passes they threw, 18.8%, 19.9% was league median. Mm-hmm. So it's right, right below that. Just yeah, right there in the in the range. It's just and it's that's something I talked about. <laughs> like when we have first year play callers, slow, um, slow teams, really slow teams often happen. We saw it with they Seattle weren't before. slow though. I just they weren't slow. They were thirteenth in situation neutral pace. They just ran a very few they just of fell plays behind because they stopped. The situation they, became unneutral. And last thing, sorry to keep going back to this. You're trying to figure out. You're trying to figure out. Did Zach Wilson when he came back from injury? Did he throw to his running backs more? Uh, it seems like he did, but Elijah Elijah Moore and Corey Davis missed all of those games. <laughs> so that's right. Was Elijah it, Moore and Corey Davis missed every game from week 12 through oh, 18? Week 12. No. Corey Davis played once, and Elijah Moore played, I think, twice. Sorry, I thought it was week 14. Uh, Elijah Moore, they, all, they missed every game from week 14 on, so they played a combined three games, uh, you know, two for Moore, one for Davis from week 12 on. So it's just, you know, there's just too many factors here. There's too many factors. Uh, it's hard to come away with something concrete. All right. Uh, and we got into a lot of Dallas running back talk there, too. So I'm sorry, Heath. Uh, Going to just read the emails here and we'll finish the show. Well, they're much more important than, than my fantastic Doug Peterson tight end stat. The, the, Nobody be, needs to know that. There'll be I mean, time for that. It's pro Evan Ingram. I can't believe you'd cut that out. <laughs> <laughs> you really? I'm pretty much done with him. All right. This is from Jay. 10 team he, he finally got out of purgatory. 10 team not yeah. 10 team non PPR league. By the way, I mentioned the uh Panthers were 31st in passing touchdowns last year. Can you guess the team that was 32nd? Jacksonville. Giants. Jacksonville. Oh. 10 team non PPR league. I have the fourth pick. We have keepers, so all of the good running backs always get kept. But this year I have Dalvin Cook, who I can keep, or I can try going for Mixon. I'm torn because I like Mixon, but I just don't know what to think about Dalvin Cook. So would you keep Dalvin or basically throw him back, have the fourth pick, and hope to get Mixon? It's a two-running back, two-wide receiver league. It is non-PPR. Doug Peterson's Eagles targeted tight ends at a 34% rate (laughs) his last three years in Philadelphia. No team last year was over 30%. And remember, Doug Peterson, before those three years, was the reason we all thought we should draft Trey Burton. And we were wrong. (laughs) Right. Uh, no, so, when he left Doug Peterson, we drafted Trey Burton because he got uh, away from Zach Ertz. He went to the Colts. Remember, he was going to be a thing. Ah, uh, okay, yeah. So I do. I well, remember the Bears well. first before the Colts. Uh, uh, would you keep? Would you just keep Dalvin Cook, or would you take a shot at getting Joe Mixon? Come on, I'd keep Dalvin. I would rather have Joe Mixon than Dalvin Cook. But you're not guaranteed to get him, right? Well, if you throw Dalvin Cook back, then that's two of the four players that are, could be drafted. Yeah, I guess I'd want to know who the other two players who could be there. All right, so here's you're, the deal. You know, if you one of those types two, of questions that really apply to everyone. They rank, <laughs> they rank Mixon ahead of Cook. Yes. But if you don't feel like you can definitely get Mixon, then just play it safe and keep Cook. This is from Matt Z in Wisconsin. I'm in an offline dynasty startup league. I have Tyreek Hill, DK Metcalf, and Cortland Sutton. Here is a list of a few guys I'm considering for my next wide receiver. What are your thoughts? Oh, this is fun. We get to pick for him. Amari Cooper, Brandon Cooks, Darnell Mooney, Gabe Davis, Chris Olave, 
Jamison Williams, Jahan Dotson, and Christian Watson in a startup dynasty league. If it's an offline dynasty league, that means you keep track of it with like newspapers and <laughs> pencil and paper, phone calls between everybody. Right. Hey, congrats, you won this week. US according to USA Today. All right. Okay. So what but it's uh, gotta be the Tuesday paper because you gonna who yeah. are you gonna go with here? I like the receivers that you have already with Hill, Metcalf, and Sutton. I don't think you need another veteran wide receiver if, if it's a dynasty league. I'm kind of cuckoo for Gabriel Davis, so I might lean that way. But if you wanted to go with a rookie, I wouldn't blame you one bit for taking Jamison Williams, putting him on your bench, and then adding him to this group of receivers late this year slash next year. Uh, Mooney is my highest ranked in dynasty, so I'll take Mooney. This is from Ryan, longtime listener of FFT from all the way from England. This year, we're doing a twist to our salary cap three-team league. Three teams. Six quarterbacks. This is how many you have to start. Six quarterbacks, eight running backs, ten wide receivers, and you have to start seven tight ends, and you have 30 players (laughs) on the bench. Any tips for such a weird, low-team, deep league? I would make it best ball. That sounds like the perfect league for best ball. Mm-hmm. Well, either way, I mean, how do you draft? You've got to so, go so, after the superstars at each position. But there are probably prioritized tight ends. You got to start seven tight ends. But here's the thing, right? So keep in mind, you there are only 24 starting running backs, right? Eight per team. There are only 30 starting wide receivers. That's not that mm-hmm. deep into the pool, but there are. 18 21. starting quarterbacks and 21 starting tight ends. That's much deeper into the into those pools. So, you know, how do you adjust? Seems like tight end really needs to be a priority. Yes. Is yeah. It, yeah. Okay. Yes. Yes. Tight end. But also Kelsey, keep in mind, Andrews. keep in mind with tight end that once you get to a certain point of the rankings, they're kind of all the same. They're all the same. That's when you pivot back to every other position. Mm. I don't know what you're laughing at. And you know what? I'm not even going to give you the satisfaction of telling us what you're laughing at. He'll tell you when you hit stop on that. Uh, okay, recording. I'll accept that. Juju Smith-Schuster had 648 <laughs> yards after catch in 2018. He has 706 in the three years since. How does that help the people who are in three-team salary cap leagues? <laughs> <laughs> this is from... Uh, I don't have a name, Dave. Uh, where's he from? Telling listeners where they're at. Bill! Where's he from? Uh, It's Stan from Effingham, Illinois. Dear Terry, Kevin, Scott, and Randy. NWO, Dave. I just get very upset when you don't know wrestling stuff. Sure. Terry. We just decided our draft order in our 12-team Superflex League. I have the 11th pick, Superflex. All my mocks are showing that Najee Harris, Derrick Henry, Dalvin Cook, Jefferson, Chase, and Kelsey are there. So are Dak Prescott, Russell Wilson, and Jalen Hurts. Out of these players, who would you pick? The quarterbacks would be Prescott, Wilson, and Hurts. The running backs are Najee, Derrick Henry, Dalvin Cook. And then you have Jefferson, Chase, and Kelsey. Pick two players out of those out of that group in a Superflex league. In PPR, I would go Jefferson and Hertz. In non-PPR, I would go Henry and Hertz. I think Hertz is among the best. I still like Wilson. 
I'd take one of those quarterbacks and target Jefferson slash Henry uh, if it's PPR or non-PPR. DJ Missile has a birthday today. Happy birthday. Not going to read your entire name there, but DJ. DJ, did you know since the start of the 2019 season, 29 (laughs) players have earned at least 300 targets, and Deontay Johnson ranks 28th in yards per target, 26th in yards per catch, and 23rd in yards per game. How about his catch rate is 63%, and most of his his throws are inside of 10 yards. Uh, And it is... Johannes' birthday, too. I'm sorry I can't pronounce your name. Happy birthday to everybody out there who's celebrating a birthday. You know, all those stats about about, uh, Deontay Johnson. Who were we talking about yesterday? Gosh. And today it was DJ Moore. When you look at, like, DJ Moore's catch rate last year was 57%. It was 56% the year before. The year before, though, he had a very high ADOT. Last year it was much lower. You know, that just tells me that quarterback play really matters in this. Um, I think all these bad stats about Deontay Johnson might be a lot, might have a lot to do with quarterback play. The, Unfortunately, the catch I don't rate think it's wins a hard sell because get... Ben, the last two years, has completed 65% of his passes. Um, I don't know, man. I just feel like Deontay Johnson is, is you know, much better than that. I, I just. What was I reading that he's one of the best at separating? Somebody was saying he's one of the he's, best. Yeah, there's, there's, there's definitely. I think PFF or somebody else really every year has Deontay ranked really high in certain things, and it, it's possible at some point his statistics will start to bear it out. Um, but I, I like where do we think he ranks? Like, would you say he's as talented or as good as a wide receiver as DJ Moore or Terry McLaurin? I have no idea. <laughs> no, I'd say, I'd say he's a little behind them, but not too far behind them. That's kind of how I was meaning as well. DK Metcalf? No, I think DK is extraordinarily talented, but I, I've always been mm, very high on him. Yeah, I I think DK is more athlete than nuanced receiver. Like he's not as good a wide receiver as Amari Cooper for sure. He might be at DK? this point, but or not Deontay. Not in Deontay. his prime. No, I would agree. I would agree. But he might. You. I mean, Cooper's old or oldish. Um, but no, uh, yeah, but those are all really good wide receivers. DJ, right. well, he's definitely better. Twenty now, he's better than his stats. Is is he as good as Adam Thielen? Adam know. Thielen now? I don't know how to answer yeah. that honestly. He's he's better than Adam Thielen now. Is he as good as Darnell Mooney? I would think he's better yes. than Darnell Mooney. I would think I think he's probably yes. better. But we'll see. Like Mooney. Mooney uh, is, a Brown. lot of Mooney is right place, right I time. I think he's better than Marquise Brown, personally, but I don't know. Is he better than Mike Williams? I would I say yes. I would think yes, but Dave and I don't really love Mike Williams that much. You guys hate does. Mike Williams so much. Uh, so part of so receiving is actually catching the football. It's um, really hard to answer this. Alan Robinson. I would think it. I've I never, think Johnson's better than Robinson right now. I've never thought that Alan Robinson, since he tore his ACL, basically has been... A mm-hmm. special player. He is a possession receiver. He makes basically nothing after the catch. He's, uh, you know, he just catches a lot of targets. He's good, but he's not special. His route running is good. He can make plays after the catch, but so can no, he not really though. That's yeah, the thing. He's, he's no, never... he can like on a slant route or a, a dig route, something like that. He hasn't been very. Because the Allen Robinson gains some yards after the catch. Yeah, but yeah, he he's he turns a lot of targets into contested catches because he's I not... I have read that Deontay Johnson's really good after the catch. 
but I don't think that really shows up in the stats either. I would, that could show up in the stats if he had if he was playing with a really good quarterback. Do you know over it's true the, his first three years in the league? You you think that he might break more tackles if he, if he was playing with? See, I don't think Ben's problem was inaccuracy within five yards. It was just that he couldn't do anything besides throw at five yards. Mm-hmm. Uh, but so they're so this, easy to defend, though. I mean, that's he's playing on an offense that is right. so easy to defend. Right? They have basically no vertical threat. They have a completely immobile quarterback, right? So you, your linebackers do not have to honor Ben Roethlisberger at all. And that can't be good for somebody who's making a lot of plays in the short and intermediate areas, right? It's not like it's not like there's, there's a quarterback spy that frees up some space for the wide receiver. I don't really know if I even know what I'm talking about, but that's the no, thing you're about right, football. You're right, you're right. right? You, you got it. I don't it's know hard. how hard. this compares to any other wide receiver, but it's fun, especially when you're talking about bad Deontay Johnson stats. <laughs> Deontay Johnson has more drops than broken tackles in the NFL. Ooh. So broken tackles, you look at Devontae Adams' broken tackles, at least on pro football reference. It's very low. Uh, mm-hmm. I, broken tackles are, uh, to me, the most subjective stat. What ca- what really counts as a broken tackle? I don't What's know. What's a drop? Well, a drop. Remember, he had, but he had that horrible stretch where he target, got benched. Drops are going to happen. He got benched a couple years ago because he was dropping it. Did he have yep, a lot of drops last year? I don't know. Did he have a lot of drops no, last year? We, we weren't that? talking about it last year, so my guess he is that five he didn't have a lot of drops. Year. Right. That for him, that's really that's good. not so bad on his targets, is it? He sure, does have right. more broken tackles than Devontae Adams. Right. So tackles. that's uh, but that's again. These are all these are stats that shouldn't necessarily make a difference for perimeter receivers, and the the drops certainly for receivers that get you know hundred plus targets over the course of a year. We have learned nothing in the last eight minutes, but but it was fun. No, I, I let me tell you one thing. If the one thing that Pickett and Trubisky can do that I already know they can do that Roethlisberger late late era Roethlisberger couldn't do is move. Those guys aren't necessarily threats to run, but they can escape a pocket. They can move outside the pocket. They can call more bootlegs out of the pocket. That could buy an extra second of time, and Deontay Johnson can get a step on a defensive back. Yeah, it could work out if those guys can accurately throw to the exact right place where they need to to connect well, with Deontay Johnson. That's as a lifelong fan issue. of Mitch Trubisky, let me tell you. <laughs> he cannot. <laughs> right. But, but I also it, don't think... it showed that he was a little hot and cold in that area, too. He I'm was okay. He was okay throwing on the run. That both Trubisky and Pickett, while they you're right, they will move and break outside of the pocket, mm-hmm. that they won't see Deontay because their eyes are going to be looking at where they're running. Well, Deontay could be to that side of the field. They're right-handed quarterbacks. Deontay could lines up to the right plenty. So I don't know if that's necessarily true, but they could be looking. <laughs> they could be looking <laughs> shorter. There's been a lot of the last ten minutes that we're not sure is necessarily true. Um, but the problem with Deontay included. is that there's a lot of uncertainty around him, and there's a lot to not like. Even though he, you know, doused himself in the cologne of targets the last two years. Uh, every year, there's a new answer for who's the best wide receiver in football. So. Nobody really knows, right? I mean, it's been it's been Michael Thomas, it's been Devontae Adams, Cooper Cup, uh, you know, it's it could be Justin Jefferson, Jamar, whoever. No, it's just so hard to evaluate these guys. We'll see. And two of the best uh, wide receivers in football have new quarterbacks this year, so we'll, we'll see what kind of impact that has. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I will fun. say that uh, Terry McLaurin has more broken tackles than drops in his career. Well, that's good. Um, DJ Moore has one more broken tackle than drop so 
Those are definitely better. That's our new measurement. <laughs> broken tackle to drop ratio. My favorite stats next year are going to be the top 30 wide receivers in broken tackles divided by drops. Jamar Chase is definitely the best wide receiver in football. If he's not, if he wasn't last year, he will absolutely be this year and probably for the next five years. It is set, it is settled. He's really good. Yes. He's gonna do I mean, something that no one else with can do. it. Elusive. Jamar Chase did have more drops than broken tackles last year. I stand corrected. Jamar Chase is a spell. borderline top 15 wide receiver based on based on that uh, metric. All right, thanks everybody. We'll talk to you tomorrow on Fantasy Football Today. I told you imaginary friends are real. This is just so exciting. This Friday, get ready for the movie event with the greatest cast you've ever imagined. Showtime. Ryan Reynolds, John Krasinski, Kaylee Fleming, Fiona Shaw, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, Louis Gossett Jr., Matt Damon, Emily Blunt, George Clooney, Maya Rudolph, Bradley Cooper, Sebastian Maniscalco, John Stewart, Sam Rockwell, Aquafina, Keegan-Michael Key, and Steve Carell. I need to throw up or I need a snack. It's one of the two. Gross. If. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Written and directed by John Krasinski.